You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Good morning. It's good to see you. Please turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. Or turn in your device to James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. And today is one of those Sundays in the life of our church that is a complete joy to be a part of and also a deep frustration. It's an act of love to go over what we're going to go over today and talk about what we're going to talk about, but also it's a pit in the stomach at the same time. It's right that our church is participating today in Orphan Care Sunday and raising awareness and being an advocate and calling us to care for the fatherless. On a, on a day like today, we are closer to, to the heart of God. But it also gives me a, a pit in my stomach that Sundays like today even have to exist. Because there is a legit orphan crisis in our world. And when I use the word crisis, it is a legit crisis. It's estimated there are 140 million orphans in the world today. 140 million children. That's more than the entire population of Germany and Japan and Mexico. An entire country of children who have become fatherless, motherless, who have been abandoned, who have been neglected. And simply, what they simply need is one adult in their life who says, I will be there for you. Only need one adult in their life who says, I will love you. Now, the goal of Orphan Care Sunday isn't to guilt us with numbers and to shame us with the empty guest bedrooms we have and the piles of toys and disposable income. The goal of Orphan Care Sunday is for us to encounter God's heart for the fatherless and to find our heart right there with him as our father, as we are made in his image and as we are filled with that spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And so as our brother James tells us, we want to discover today what it would look like for our church to be not hearers of the word only, but doers also. And it's right here in James 1, beginning in verse 19. So as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we'll begin listening to St. James in verse 19. And by the Spirit, our brother James tells us, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is, like, if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer 
who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we cry out to you. We, we are able to say, Abba, Father, by that spirit of adoption you've given us in the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth. So would you help us now to be not only hearers of pure and undefiled religion, but doers. That we would not only be a church that could pass a Bible quiz on what is pure and undefiled religion, but that we would be practicers, we would be doers, we would be livers of it that looks after those who cannot look after themselves. So meet us today, Lord, by the Spirit. And may we be doers of this word. May we humbly receive the implanted word and not deceive ourselves. And it's in your mighty name that we pray, King Jesus. Amen. You may be seated and watch this video. to a church that had um, a very strong adoption community. A family in our church made a documentary of sorts about um, adoption and how it fits into um, just the family of God and, and what it means and the biblical implications and we saw it and it was I guess just a confirmation of now's the time like it was just I would say that God used it to just move our hearts, to say, now's the time. Like, yes, this is the confirmation, this is what you've been waiting for. And so the way it happened is we had a friend who adopted from Ukraine, a little girl with Down syndrome. And um, I was at lunch one day with uh, some friends, she was there, and she said, um, what about, you know, Down syndrome? Or what about uh, looking at Reese's Rainbow? They have a lot of different special needs listed. I said, well, I don't know, you know, I would really thought about it. And so I went home and talked to him about it. And, and I, I was started asking him all these questions about, well, you know, we don't, you know, we don't know that much about Down syndrome and different things that health issues or things that come with it. And he said, what if God gave us a baby with Down syndrome through our womb, you know, through your womb? And I'm like, well, I've, I would love it, of course. And he's like, okay. And it was, it was pretty much settled, you know, for him. And I was just like, well, that's true. And as over the next few days, I just began to pray and ask the Lord to open my heart and show me. So um, I got on the website and clicked on the zero to three baby girls. And um, Libby was at the very top. Um, and when I saw her, uh, I don't know, it was just like, oh, you know, it's one of those things where they kind of jump out at you. When we saw Libby, and decided to pursue her. 
um, that's when it was like, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing this. It really became real at that point, you know, because now you're, it's not just theoretical anymore. You know, there, there's a human being, there's a child that you're pursuing. This was the day before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. um, he, he said, hey, you know, we can get more information. And so I contacted the company or the, I guess, foundation that, um, that she, she was listed with. And um, they said, yes, she's available. You can, um, here's kind of the steps to go about it. I, I always said that whenever we made the decision, it was like a freight train that couldn't be stopped. It was just this burning desire, like we knew in our hearts God had called, called us to this. And so it was like, it was an unstoppable mm -hmm. train, just kept going. And until we finally uh, brought her home. Anyway, we ended up getting the call to be invited. You have to be invited over to their country mm -hmm. um, on our anniversary. We got yeah. the call that morning and on March 12th. Yeah. And then um, we left on March 26th. And so we um, went over and you have to go into an appointment with the government officials and they show you pictures. You then ask if you can go and visit this child and they give you permission. So we took a 15 hour train ride <laughs> uh, so then we got up the next morning and we were able to meet her. So we met her April 2nd. Um, they would let us go into this playroom of sorts and yeah. we would hold her and yeah. talk to her. And there, there was a piano, happened to be a piano in the room. Mm -hmm. And Richard played for her. She just, yeah. she really liked the music. We were there three weeks. We had court um, where they basically have, ask you, why do you want to adopt this child? You know, that was their big thing. We had to bring a family book of our um, of our home, pictures of our home, our family, and so we showed uh, the judge, and the judge's response was, "Why do you want this sick child?" Mm. He really could not understand why we were adopting Libby, and um, we just said, "She's our child. She's the one God gave us. Like that's we want to bring her home, you know." And today was uh, April twenty fifth. She was in our like in our arms, and she never had to go back to the orphanage. Yeah. And then we flew home on April 28th, yeah. and we had an airport full of family and friends. Oh yeah, I have a ton of pictures. Quite of just, the welcome party. It was amazing. They had yeah. made banners and brought stuffed animals for her, and our kids were there waiting to meet her. Um, and uh, it was pretty great. Yeah, it was. Adoption is. Beautiful, messy, hard, and amazing. It's all of those and more wrapped up into one package and you can't really separate it from one another. Adoption is such a picture of the gospel. There are so many ways, you know, even down to this cost that seems so great. And of course it doesn't compare to what Christ did for us, but just knowing this little family that had all these four kids <laughs> and we're looking at this price and we're thinking, how and yeah, then the Lord do just does it like he provided in ways that were just um, it was amazing I think it's very easy for us when we when we hear you know the verse in James which talks about widows and orphans you know when we think about orphans in that context immediately think of adoption and there are so many other ways to support that ministry tangibly um, outside of actually adopting a child and some of the most uh, memorable and meaningful um, helps to us, which was just church members saying, what do you need? Yeah. Do you guys need a date night? 
do you need? Uh, you know, I think Dale referenced a cup of water. You know, sometimes you just need a, you just need a refreshing drink, and the, and the date night is that equivalent. Yeah. And not only, I mean, from the moment we said we wanted to adopt, through the process, I mean, our church came alongside us. We did. They donated a ton of stuff for garage sale that we helped raise money. We had members just giving us checks and mm -hmm. put this toward the adoption. Um, the church gave us a monetary gift uh, mm -hmm. toward the adoption. I mean, we had an incredible support system and it was a huge part that helped us take that step of go from, you know, I really believe this is what we're supposed to do to taking the step of faith mm -hmm. and actually doing it. Um, they helped that bridge, make that bridge for us to be able to walk across and go forward. If God's calling you to, to adopt, great, pursue it. You know, pursue it in faith, count the cost. Um, it, it, it will, there will be surprises, inevitably. Um, there are unknowns, there are things that you, that you don't know, <laughs> that you will discover later on, either during the process or, or after. But, um, but I also want to encourage people, be there to support those families, because that is uh, just as crucial to the ministry itself. Um, and it's incredibly helpful to those families, and we are Exhibit A right here of, of just how incredibly helpful that practical help is. Do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers of this pure and undefiled religion to look after orphans in their distress. You've seen the stories over the last few weeks. It began with the Googers, with Dale and Christina providing respite care for foster families of the Jinx becoming a foster family. And actually, since that video was made, they now have another foster child with them. And now with the Rectors and their international adoption with Libby. And there are many other stories that could be told throughout our church. And I know that by this time next year, there'll be many new stories and your story that will be told one day. Maybe about how God worked through Orphan Care Sunday and through the Orphan Care Ministry here at Redeemer, that maybe you and your spouse became foster parents. Or just a story of how you brought clothes and gift cards and how you brought extra laundry detergent. Every time you'd go to the store, you'd buy some for foster families or how maybe you'll be able to tell the story of how God moved in your heart to adopt a sibling pair from Vietnam. And all of these are stories of believers in the risen Christ being doers of the word and not hearers only. These are all accounts of pure and undefiled religion before God our Father that we see in James 1.27. So look at James 1.27 again, and look at what our brother James tells us when he says, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. Now, every Christian should hear that phrase and then think, I want this. No one would hear, here, here's what pure and undefiled religion is, and go, well, that doesn't interest me. I prefer impure and sullied religion. That's what I want. Now, this applies to all of us. All of us want the real thing, the real high-octane, 24-carat Christianity. Pure and undefiled religion is this. And sometimes we can think, oh, he write doctrine, write beliefs, write theology, write songs. That's true. But that's not what James is talking about here. Of course, that's true. But I think the tendency in churches like ours, when we hear phrases like pure and undefiled religion, we think the right thinking of Christianity. 
the right protection of Christianity, the right preservation of Christian beliefs. But that's not what James is talking about. He is talking about the right practice of Christianity, the right living, not just the right hearing, the right doing of Christianity. So the religion James is talking about isn't just the doctrinal statements and Bible studies that we inhabit, but it is the sweat on our brow. And it is the emptied wallets and the calories expended and the sore feet from living it out. So when James says, this is pure and undefiled religion, he's saying, guys, lean in. I'm about to show you and tell you what peak Christianity looks like. You want to see what peak Christianity looks like? It's to look after, the Bible says, orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We understand the last part. And the Bible Belt, we know, keep yourself unstained from the world. That's what it means to be a Christian too. Walking away from sin, not getting caught up in the patterns and practices of those who don't believe in the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth. Churchers, we can spend a lot of time and conversations and pages are printed and podcasts are produced and small groups are met with on how, all how to be keep, keeping yourself unstained from the world. And we, that's true. We don't want to adopt the world's view of marriage or gender or money or parenting or politics or the world's practices with alcohol and food and entertainment and on and on and on. So, I mean, we disciple and we have hard conversations, formal and informal, on how to keep ourselves unstained from the world. We know to be doers of that word. But why are we not spending as much time on the first part? On looking after orphans and widows in their distress. We know to be doers of that word, keep yourself unstained from the world. But why are we not as zealous as about that first part, being a doer of that word that says, look after orphans and their distress? Because this too is pure and undefiled religion. To care for those who have no one caring for them to care for those who've been forgotten and neglected and mistreated. One of the number one reasons children are brought into the foster care system is through neglect. Overwhelming majority is through neglect. That there would just be one adult in their life that says, I will take care of you and I will love you and I will provide for you. And beloved, it is no coincidence that in this famous section of the book of James about being doers and not hearers of the word only, about, don't being, about being not like the person who looks in the mirror and they forget what they look like, that in the middle of this, that in all of this discussion right here about being a hearer and a doer of the word, we find the call to care for orphans. So what James is doing is James is telling us, don't just hear God saying, Christians care for orphans. James is saying, do it. Do it. So I'm telling us today, we cannot hear this verse, pure and unfiled religion is this, is to care and to look after orphans. Don't hear this verse and think, God's going to move in somebody's heart today. God's going to move in someone else's heart today about caring for orphans and widows. Now, this is a verse for all of us. If you claim the name of Christ and you believe Christ rose from the dead so you could have new life, this is a verse on your life. And this is a verse on my life. God is calling all of us 
to look after orphans in some way. And I love that, the, look at what the Bible says, that this is pure and undefiled religion before God, the Father, the Father, your Father, and my Father, our Father, and beloved, how did God become your Father? Through the cosmic power of adoption. Through the beloved Son of God, at his incarnation, becoming a man that we talk about every Christmas, and God the Son becoming a man and dying on that cross in our place for our sins and rising from the dead, as Paul tells us in Galatians 4 when he says that when the time came to completion, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit of adoption, as Paul says in Romans 8, crying, wailing, Abba, Father. The fact that you and I can even say we're pursuing pure and undefiled religion before our Father is because we are no longer slaves, but sons. And if a son, then God has made you an heir, all because Christ We've received adoption as sons. You and I can have pure and undefiled religion before the Father. Listen, because you have been adopted. That's your story. Every Christian in this room, you are a story of adoption. Every testimony, every conversion story, every story of someone coming to Christ, your story is an adoption story. No one can ever say, oh, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. Oh, I was born a Christian. No, you weren't. You know the person who's only ever been a Christian? Christ. You and I were born into sin. You and I were born strangers, as Ephesians 2 says, especially those of us who don't have Jewish backgrounds that are Gentiles. The Bible says you are far from God. You are a stranger to the promises of God. You are a distant exile, a foreigner, an orphan to all of the promises of God. But in Christ, you have been adopted. But in Christ, you've been brought in. You were born a Gentile. You were at odds with God. But through Christ becoming a crumpled corpse on a cross, we have been now brought near and our sins forgiven. And we've been given that spirit of adoption through that same corpse that refused to stay a corpse. And when Christ uncorpsed himself and rose again from the dead on Easter Sunday, you were given the spirit of adoption into your heart that well wails out, Abba, Father. And now the promises of God are yours. And now the inheritance that belongs to Christ is yours. And now the family that you were cut off from and that you were estranged from is now yours. And now caring for orphans, the fatherless, and those in the foster care system is now yours because this is God's heart. Orphan care is a theater of the gospel. The reason why this can be pure and undefiled religion to look after orphans in their distress is because this is God's heart. And now we are a part of God's family and we are brought into the family business and activities and we are made in the image of God. And what does God do? Psalm 68 tells us that God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless, a champion of widows, 
And the Old Testament is filled with commands about when they would go and harvest in their fields and they would, be, they would drop some of their crops and God would say, don't pick it up. You leave that for the fatherless. You leave the edges, leave the corners, leave those behind. Don't mistreat the fatherless. Don't forget them. Don't take advantage of them because my heart is for them. And because that's God's heart for those who are forgotten, it's also now ours. He calls us to remember them too. And one of the ways God cares for the fatherless and the forgotten is through you and through me. To look after them, to, to give them a bed, to give them food, to give them clothes, yes, but even, but more than that, to love them, to give them a home, that they would know there is an adult in this world that will sacrifice and that will love me. And I'm sure when you think of movies and shows that have themes of adoption, you, I'm sure you think of Annie or The Blind Side or even Despicable Me. That is a tale of adoption. But the one I think of the most powerful scenes around adoption happens in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Will Smith. If you're not familiar with the show, you know, Will is living with his auntie and uncle in Bel-Air. He was from West Philadelphia. That's where he's born and raised. On the playground, he spent most of his days there. One day he was up to no good, got in a little trouble in his neighborhood, and he was sent off to go live with his aunt and uncle in Bel-Air. And Will's father, Lou, um, abandoned him 14 years ago and shows up all of a sudden in Bel-Air to see Will. And Lou's a truck driver and he shows up and he promises Will, we're going to go on a long trip together. We're going to go throughout the, the world. It's going to be great. We're going to spend so much time together, that all that time that we lost. And Will's so excited. And, um, but then Lou flakes out. And Lou's trying to sneak out of the house, but Uncle Phil sees him. So where are you going, Lou? Oh, I, I got to go. Something came up, you know, tell Will for me. He said, I'm not going to tell Will. You need to tell Will. And Lou just starts to leave. And then Will walks in with his bags. What's up, daddy? Yo, let's go. And Lou turns and says, oh, something came up. Will, I, I can't go. You, under, you know, you, you understand. And Lou leaves. Will throws his bags on the ground and says, good. You know what? I'm glad he's gone because I don't need him. I learned how to shave without him. I learned how to play basketball without him. I learned how to drive without him. I learned how to fight without him. I don't need him. I've had 14 great birthdays without him. I don't need him. And Phil's standing there heartbroken and Will walks away and then Will turns back around and Will and Phil look at each other and Will, who's almost a grown man, begins to cry and looks at his uncle and just says, how come he don't want me, man? How come my dad doesn't want me? And they fall into each other's arms, hugging and crying to one another. And Phil wanted him. Phil helped raise him. Phil loved him. And beloved, right now in our county, there are 2,305 children in foster care. Maybe wondering the same thing. How come no one wants me? How come my dad didn't want me? How come my mom didn't want me? How come that other family didn't want me? But we have a message, don't we? We are the people who have the message and the spirit of adoption that we too, when no one wanted us, that we have a father in heaven who wanted us. And that we have a big brother who sacrificed his life for us, sacrificed and spilled his blood for us to give us this great cost of being brought into the family of God. 
And now we are orphans no more. And that we can tell the orphans and those in foster care in this county that there is a group of people who want you. And there are a group of people who love you. And there are a group of people who will provide for you. This is pure and undefiled religion. Don't deceive yourself and be a hearer only, but be a doer. So what should we do? Here's where it begins. Be ready and be open. This is where it begins. Be open. You have to be, you you can't hear this verse. This is pure and undefiled religion to look after orphans and widows and think, well, I guess that leaves me in the clear. No, we're all called to do something. If Christ is your Lord, this is on our lives. We can't neglect this. Now, this doesn't mean we're all going to go out and adopt and we're all going to go out and and join and be a foster family. Some of us will. But this does mean we all play a part. So here's what I'm asking. Here's what I think the scriptures are asking of us is where we should all be. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I live this? How do I be a doer of the word and look after orphans? Some of you, God is calling to adopt and we are going to support you financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Some, God is calling you to fund adoptions, to help others adopt internationally, adopt special needs children. Some of you, God is going to raise up and to become a foster family here in Harris County. Some of you will do respite care, become a certified babysitter and support those who are doing foster care. Some of you, it'll be providing clothes and gifts and and your prayers. Because all of us are doing this together. Because this is pure and undefiled religion. And none of us can be exempt. And so to help us think through this, I want to welcome Kira Levy from Arrow Child and Family Ministries here in spring. And she's going to tell us a little bit about how we can all play a role, what we can do, maybe feelings or questions that you're having. And so would you welcome Kira as she tells us about Arrow. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, as he mentioned, my name is Kira. I am a foster parent recruitment and retention coordinator at Arrow Child and Family Ministries. Um, a little bit about Arrow. We were founded in 1992 by a former foster youth. Um, he was placed into a home that was a Christian family, and he felt that impact in his life of what it looked like to live and be in a Christian home. So that is our mission is to um, help children and strengthen families. It is to um, train and license foster parents and that are going to be consistent, that are going to provide permanency, being that supportive adult in that child's life, um, showing up and partnering with the local church, placing these kids in Christian homes. Um, that's, our, that's our goal here. Our dream is to um, help the modern-day orphan, those children that are in foster care, feel loved and have that support that they need. So if a family today, you know, they, they're interested, uh, but they feel nervous, uh, they're not ready, or they feel overwhelmed, what, what should they do? So if you are feeling nervous, I would say that is a great thing. That means you are taking this very seriously and that you are seeing the pros and the cons and you are walking with your eyes wide open. 
Um, I would go ahead and say that oftentimes I think when God calls us to something, we aren't even necessarily always ready equipped for that. But instead, he equips you once you are called there. Um, I would say some really great first steps would be to do a lot of research. Take your time if you need to. Um, don't walk into it blindly, but look into what does it look like to become a foster parent? What's required of me? Um, I would say find your people, your tribe, your village, um, your support. Reach out to them. Um, say that this is something we're considering. Seek counsel in that. Um, you can always reach out to myself and my team. We are always here to encourage you, to support you, answer any questions you may have. And not lastly, I'd say it's most importantly, but I, you know, get down on your knees and pray. Um, if this is something God's calling you to, then you're going to need to pray a lot, and you're going to need that um, intercession. And so, you know, reach out to those around you, to your church, and um, really pray through if this is something that God's calling you to. Now, I'm sure there's great needs for placement still uh, right now in Harris County. So how many more foster families by this year would you feel like, oh, that would be more than enough? Or um, More than enough is, is hard. I just was looking something up. So in the month of September, um, Arrow across the state of Texas, we were able to place um, 73 uh, children groups in, into homes, but the amount of homes we had to turn away was 517 children just for the month of September. So um, I mentioned in the earlier service, we get really excited every time a child's placed into a home. It is a victory for us. Um, but whenever we have our info sessions or orientations, we get really excited when we have, you know, 50 people show up. And so I was saying, like, as a church body, as, as a um, community, I mean, every time we get 50 more people, um, 50 more families that commit themselves and say, you know, yes, this is something I want to partner in, uh, we always get really, really excited. Yeah, awesome. Would you guys think... Kira and Arrow for being here today. They're, they're doing amazing kingdom work and there's, they have a table here today and they're gonna be at the luncheon that's after the service where you could learn more. And so what, what else can we do? Uh, beloved, there are so many ways that we can all get involved. Um, you can learn more at the luncheon today and learn more about Arrow and the orphan care ministry here at Redeemer. But also here are some other ways, practically speaking, going forward, you can get involved. Go to and attend the info meetings. So there's a, a free lunch today right after the service. There's also one on Wednesday night, identical in each sessions. Um, I couldn't tell you even after the first service how many people said, I'm going to be there. And one 17-year-old student came up to me and said, what can I do? Obviously, I can't adopt. I'm 17, but I want to do something. Clearly, God's calling me to do something. So go and learn more. He could support families here that are already participating in adoption and foster care. So maybe you can play basketball with kids through Arrow and they've got connections. I don't know, but I'm sure we can find something for you to do. So go to the lunch today or Wednesday night, and you can also hear Russ and Amisha's story of, of adoption. And secondly, pray and support the, the families foster and adoptive families here at Redeemer. There's tables on your way out. You also saw them on the way in where there's a list of families of those who are participating in, in orphan care. And put that on your dining room table. When you, when you eat as a family, pray for one of them. When you pray for your meal, put it by your kid's bedside table. Pray for the Jinx, pray for the Rectors, pray for the Googers, pray for one of these families as you put your kids to bed. Uh, send them gift cards. Ask them, how can we, how can we serve you? Bring them dinner. Uh, give them gift cards to their favorite restaurant. Maybe buy another jug of laundry detergent when you're buying yours to give to them. Next, you could donate to the Moses Closet. 
Moses Closet is a group of foster families in Tomball that meets at Tomball Bible Church and it's led by, by Jocelyn Hattenberger. And this is a group where you can donate clothes, you can donate supplies, diapers, all for those who are in foster care. So instead of maybe those hand-me-downs going to Goodwill or you, you, know, you getting 10 cents for something in a garage sale, just donate it to Moses Closet for these, for these foster families so they can be supported there. And Scotty and Lauren Jinks, who you saw in the video, but also right here, you guys wave right there. And they, they would love to be a connection for you to, to Moses Closet. You can find their information and info about Moses Closet also on the table there. And so there's two free booklets today that you can take. One is called Foster Care, A Prayer Guide, and the other one is Welcoming Kids from Hard Places. And two books for sale, Becoming Home, Adoption, Foster Care, and Mentoring, Living Out God's Heart for Orphans, and then also a book uh, for children called Farmer Herman. And it's a children's book about how everyone works together to help orphans, and they're $5 each. You can pick those up today. Next, I would say visit the three agencies that are here that have spent their morning to come here uh, to assist you, to answer questions, to give you more information. You've heard from Arrow. They have a table over there for foster care. And also New Life and Loving Houston. These are two private agencies for adoptions. So if that you feel God moving in your heart or you want more information about adoption, they'd love to connect you. And you'll also find information about CCAI, Adoption services. Um, this, we have some pamphlets from them for international adoptions, and as well information about Reese's Rainbow, where you saw who the, who the rectors went through to adopt Libby and other special needs adoptions. These are all agencies that families at Redeemer have gone through and worked with and trust. And so go visit them, uh, go get more information, and also pray. We said pray already, but pray again, maybe in your missional community, in our small groups here at Redeemer, maybe. Instead of doing a study on another study and how to keep ourselves unstained from the world, maybe we do a study on orphans and how to look after them in their distress and how to love the fatherless because this is pure and undefiled religion. I know pure and undefiled religion won't be us doing another Jen Wilkin Bible study and then being unchanged in how we feel about the fatherless or doing another John Piper study and then not feeling unchanged about how we should care and love the fatherless but it's looking after them together through foster care, through respite care, financially, through being there, through presence. So beloved, let's be doers of the word. And as we move to communion and as we eat our family meal together as those who are no longer orphans in Christ, let's pray to our father in that spirit of adoption that we have from the risen Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.